there's so many better ways you can spend your time than dusting garbage. I'm Sarah Fulmer, and this is Baggage, the story of our stuff. What did you find that was the most surprising thing that you had in your house? What was your most what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, no. You know what? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't found it yet. I know I will, but I haven't found it yet because yeah. everything I, I try to keep everything on purpose, and so yeah. I don't. I haven't found anything that's like completely absurd yet, but I know I will when I get to the storage room because that's yeah. where that's all my what the fuck thoughts are stored in that room <laughs> because it's. I'm like whatever, just put it in the basement because I can avoid it entirely because I don't even go down there. Right. So it's like How the underbelly of that? my house. It's just, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. I guarantee you I have plenty of, uh, I will say, we talked about this a couple of days ago. One of the what the fuck items that I had on my bookcase was um, my mom's favorite book. It was actually her copy of her favorite book. And I, when I left her house when I was 17, I took it. Not to punish her in any way, but because I felt like if I didn't take it and carry it, it wasn't going to be read anymore because she was no longer doing things like that. And I have been keeping it ever since. And that was 22 years ago. And I've been keeping it and putting it on new shelves over and over. And I, it wasn't my favorite book. I mean, I could have done without it. And I, it took me until yesterday to finally give it to charity. Oh, you did? And realized, like, oh, I don't, yeah. And and it wasn't even hard. That was the thing, it was the story that was making it hard. Like, no, that's my my book. Like, if I get rid of it, that would hurt her. She doesn't know. She didn't even miss it when I took it. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. It's another story. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. But she, (laughs) she's not reading books. So it was like, it was really just a make-believe fear that if I threw the book away, I was throwing her away. And yeah, that's an interesting thing. I also have a photo I have to decide. It, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but that picture of mom and dad being silly that we love that our family members yeah. thought we were mocking. <laughs> yeah, the so one that started the big family feud. Yes, because they're, they're young and they're happy and they're so goofy and I'm pretty sure they're stoned and they look so sweet <laughs> and like yeah, hopeful. They look like they still and, have all this potential. <laughs> yes, and like they look yeah. just joyful. And I have this photo and it's in a frame. And right now, because I, I, this is my answer, I have I have this little weeping guy that I bought in um, Mexico. It's a sculpture, and he's, I can't remember what it's called, Ichi, or I can't remember his name. But he's this, this little god that soaks up your sorrows. And I bought him in Mexico on my my honeymoon. I said, dude, I really love my husband. <laughs> in Mexico and I brought it home and put it in our house and it actually for a long time made me feel sadder just looking at it because he's just this like sad pathetic guy. Well I put him in front of that photo. Like you can't see the picture at all. He's like in front wow. of it. Yeah. So maybe probably just take it down. But yeah there's photos on my on my bookcase but I'm not sure how I feel about the energy that comes off of them. Do you want to hear something super funny? Um, yeah. So I had also looked up, like, 
stuff about feng shui and like you know placements of things in your house and whatever and mm-hmm. um <laughs> so i'm I'm trying to apply these principles to my house and I'm thinking about it, and like I still don't like I do have a lot of blue in my bedroom, damn it, and I like plants mm-hmm. in my room. But right. um, anyway, and I hate red. I really hate the color red. I don't have anything. I have a red basket, and it, it's okay. Like, I don't mind a pop of red, but I don't own mm-hmm. anything red. I don't like it. It's just not a color yeah. that resonates with me at all. And I don't yeah. like yellow either. I like, well, I like yellow under really specific circumstances, but I never gravitate. I don't own anything that's yellow on purpose. I have some, mm-hmm. I have towels in my kitchen that are yellow because you gave them to me. <laughs> but but you were like, I don't want these anymore. And I was like, well, I need new towels. So that's why I'm using them. So right. I need, I need new towels. But in any case, I don't, I, like red and yellow is not my jam. And so red's like this really powerful, important color if you're doing like feng shui. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, well, then it already doesn't mess with my aesthetic, so never mind. <laughs> That's but so then funny. One day, so... Well, one day I was – I used to have my office up in the front bedroom of my house. And my mm-hmm. my desk was in this one corner. Where my desk was oriented was just, like, the worst place. And then for a hot second, it was, like, my office and my bedroom were connected because my friend was staying here with her kids and, like – we rearranged everything so everyone would fit. And having my bedroom in my office, like, I tell everybody, don't do that. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like, God, I feel like I'm so broke all the time. And, like, it's just, like, it feels like this circuit that connects a person to, you know, riches and material wealth. It's just broken for me. And I mm-hmm. started reading this book about feng shui, and it tells me, like, you know, to pay attention to this one corner. And I guess, I think it has to do with the orientation of where the door is or whatever, but, like, Mm -hmm. in the money corner, I had a torso, a mannequin torso, (laughs) that it was basically just a headless woman (laughs) (laughs) sitting in that corner, and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I think I shouldn't keep that thing right there, and I moved it, and it did did help. Like, I I felt better. I, I felt like, wow, I just set up the dumbest possible thing. Like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's I'm more funny. careful about certain things. Like, I do believe yeah. that there is an energy to the stuff in your house and also where that stuff is. So, right. Right. And, and so part of, I'm, I'm doing Martha Beck's training and part of the assignment, the homework before I start is the integrity cleanse. And one of the first assignments in that is to, Describe your home and then describe your least favorite part of your house, the part that's really sticking for you. And so I said the front room. And it said, um, you know, what, how would you describe this room? And you pick three things. But one of them was wasted potential. That's how I described the room. And then the second yeah. question was, how does what you said about the room reflect your feelings about yourself? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's funny because, I mean, like I've said, I've told, you know, we've talked about this many times, like there really is not a space for me in my own life. It's a great life, beautiful, beautiful house, yeah. beautiful family. You know, we, we're very abundant. We have everything we could ever need except, you know, mommy doesn't have her own thing, really. That's why I just built yeah. them beautiful things. And so I'm working on that. I mean, that's definitely not a forever story, but that is definitely what has been happening. And yeah. it's an interesting thing because I, I, you know, we c- came up with really strange expectations of us as children. And 
I have exceeded mom and almost all of our family members, probably maybe all of them, I don't know, all of their wildest dreams for me. I've yeah. done all the things that they were like, that's how you really get somewhere. You marry a handsome man who has the potential to make money and isn't an alcoholic, you know? And just oh, stay pretty. You nailed you know, that it. That was like, like, yeah, like, cool. Yeah. And so, but that's not what I believe is is my greatest destiny, you know? Yeah. And, and there's so much more to me than that. And yeah. so... Taking me a really long time to even really understand, like, what's going on here? I'm, like, spending a lot of time fulfilling the image that I was raised to believe is successful or happy or peaceful, and I forgot to include myself. So yeah. maybe that's what we're working on, so, you know. that's By yeah, we, I mean I me and, you know, the mouse in my pocket, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. You know, I mean, yeah. It's, well, it's, and I, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, this is this is the age that that most of my clients end up being because this is when you start doing mm-hmm. this kind of work. And I was just right. thinking about something the other day. Like, when we would go visit family members, like especially grandma, never came mm-hmm. home empty-handed. Never. No. No. Never. And and we were always. I mean, nobody was. Nobody in our family was wealthy. There were there, none of that existed. We were not even middle class. We were. No. Not even close. We, nobody had any money. But because everybody was like that, I mean, we knew that we were even lower than that. Like our yeah. our, we didn't even have like stable home environment. So you know, well, we, we didn't own a home, home, and yeah, yeah, not and never. But you know, even without a lot of material wealth, there was a lot of like sharing going on. You know, and a lot of yeah, yeah. There was um, a lot of pride in that generosity. Yeah. You know, and and but I was thinking about that. Like, Grandma loved going around. She knew she loved to find out what your thing was that you loved, mm-hmm. which, which mm-hmm. sucked because I remember one year like telling her I was really into Barbies, and I was right on the cusp of not being into Barbies, and then it was Barbies mm-hmm. for a long time. And I was like, Grandma, yeah. I'm like 16. You know, I'm secretly getting mm-hmm. drunk on weekends. These <laughs> right. Yeah, like Coors Light or whatever I was into. I don't know. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> you would never have done that. No, you would never but, drink that. No, I wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was Boone's Farmer, Apple Boone's Farmer, nothing. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I she always she would find like she knew I loved silver jewelry, mm-hmm. and some of my favorite like hilariously giant gaudy pieces of silver jewelry or silver tone all mm-hmm. came from grandma. Like I remember yeah. one time she gave me this owl. It was like an owl and it was, it was on I a love hinge that at the owl. bottom. Oh my yeah. God, that thing was the bomb. It but, was. You know, she, her thing was she liked to go out into the world. She loved stuff and she liked to go out into the world, grudging or whatever and, mm-hmm. and pick up things. And then, you know, like I always suspected, she had boxes in her closet with everyone's name on them, so she could mm-hmm. collect random things for people all year long, and give them to you at Christmas. So you know, if she knew you liked owls or turtles or monkeys or whatever your thing was, she—that's what she collected for you. Mm-hmm. And I have that in me. Like mm-hmm. I get really—it's and sometimes it's kind of hard doing this job. Like <laughs> right, I did a job five or so years ago, maybe mm-hmm. somewhere around there. 
and the woman had tiny little five and a half, size five and a half feet. And the only reason I know this is because she had these super cute, like, cloggy-looking Mary Jane shoes that are mm-hmm. red um, leopard prints, and they're they're fuzzy. <laughs> Brand wow. new on the And I was like, these are so extraordinary. They don't fit me. I'm not a five and a half. I don't know any adult women who are. But I just thought somebody, for somebody, these uh-huh. are going to be like, this is a perfect shoe. And I felt like I can't just donate this. I have to find the person that goes to these shoes. Like, I still have those shoes in my basement. And within the next, I'm moving in 11 days. <laughs> and you still haven't heard those shoes? No. No, because I have this one friend she looks a little bit like Audrey Hepburn, and she's adorable. And I was like, oh, these shoes would be so cute. I just have to basically say, I know this is creepy, but what size are your feet? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't work it up to get that conversation going. So, <laughs> well, not okay, when you, like <laughs> when you say it like that, you say it like that. It's real creepy, but if you're like, hey, you seem very petite, what shoe size are you? Because I think yeah. I have something for you. That's not creepy. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I I would have presented it much better, but, like, I just have to. I, it's just one of those things on this long-ass list of shit you got to do before you move. Uh, yeah. yeah. Your list is different yeah. than mine. That's funny. I, it, every, listen, everybody's list is different. Yes, that Everybody's is true. got a different list. So That's true. That's why I think it's okay. funny. There's not really – what I think about the Marie Kondo thing is that she did simplify it to the point where, like you said, even a little kid could go, oh, I get this. I want to do yeah. that. I understand right. the My value. Right, my kids are actually better at it. My kids are better at it because yeah. they're more in tune to their actual feelings and bodies. And so yes. they feel it way before they can reason their way out of it. They're like, uh, yeah, no. And so the faster they work, the more authentic the choices are. But, yeah. um, you know, for me, it's funny. It's it's really very funny to me how much effort it takes for me to feel. Like, <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. Wow. But, you know, and that's okay, you know, whatever. But it's just really funny to me because I, my, I've always just sort of spoken with language. I've always reasoned my way through things. I, I've, you know, there was really not a whole lot of benefit to feeling at all because that would have been yeah. really hard. So now it's like, okay, well, you can feel stuff now. Like, it's safe. You can feel. You can feel all the things. And um, yeah. even when it's not safe, you can handle it. You know, it's still good. So that's just kind of new. And and this process, like cleaning out your space, is, I think, the most important part. It is the first step to yeah. figuring out who you are because everything you surround yourself with is a reflection of yourself. And if you don't like yeah. it, if you don't like your people, if you don't like your spouse, if you don't like your friends, if you don't like your stuff, if you don't like your clothes, you got to really ask yourself why that's okay with you. You know, so yeah. that's been the best part about this is that, you know, fortunately, this is like a lifelong process. So I'm I'm not feeling really dissatisfied with my surroundings, but it's the little fine tuning that, you know, really kind of opens you up and teaches you. Like, holy shit, I can't believe that story I told forever, like 25, 30 years I've been telling a story that wasn't even true. 
you know, I'm holding on to this thing to tell a story, to make me feel a certain way that doesn't serve me in any way. So how about I just give it to someone else who maybe wouldn't feel that way about it? They'd just read yeah. this book and go, oh, cool, what a, what a nice book. And then they'd give it to a friend, <laughs> and that would be that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what's, what's been the biggest surprise that you've found so far, like in terms of what you, what you think and how you feel? I think that my stuff doesn't make any difference. I don't have to keep it. There's nothing I have to hold. And, and if I, if I let go of stories and things and, and attachments, it actually makes it easier for me to freely feel and to love everybody. It's the attachments and the stories that I tell that make it hard for me to forgive or to heal but when i like when i let go of mom's book and i look at her picture or she's like holding me on a porch i feel freer i don't feel so attached to her in a bad way and so i just see her as a person and it's it's beautiful like every time i let go of something that i actually don't want or isn't helping me in any way it helps me to see the whole thing for what it actually is instead of this one dumb piece that i can focus on that's really yeah. just a tainted part and it, it's nice it just makes it easier to detach i mean it, it, i think i was always taught detachment was bad and now i'm like oh yeah i get it <laughs> if you detach yeah. you can love everything you don't have right. to be freaked you, out all the time right you don't so, have to have all nice. your emotions in a basket in the front of you constantly right yeah right and there's yeah. literally no point in owning a thing that doesn't bring you joy it's that's the silliest thing you can do with your space yeah. So, you know, that's it. It's funny, though, because I've heard a lot of criticism about that. I've heard, well, that's such a privileged way to think. And, of course, it is if you're like, oh, this couch doesn't bring me joy. I'm going to order another one. I mean, that's not – I don't think that's yeah. the point. The point is really to question, like, why do I have so much shit that doesn't make me happy? Why do I have so much shit yeah. to begin with? And yeah. why do I keep buying stuff to try to help me feel better about anything? Because that's yeah. not where it's at. And really all it does is distract me and keep me busy cleaning it. Like, that's so silly. There's so many better ways you can spend your time than dusting garbage. So. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, you know, so it's really awful. about like, <laughs> well, it's really about being grateful for what you have. And like, you know, so if you have something and you have never questioned whether it brings you joy. Like, my favorite thing is in the beginning with every client, she stops and she thanks the house. Yeah. And it's something that I really, really appreciated. I've never done that. It never occurred to me that, like, I've always been grateful for my house, but never out loud. I've never thanked this space that has kept me safe and warm and very comfortable for 12 years. It has been everything I've ever needed. My babies have grown up here. Like, this is this is my home. I, I've never really thought about it that way. And once you start there you start feeling like, well, wait, what would honor this house better than to purge it of the things that don't reflect how I feel about it? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's been just a really helpful tool, and I think it leads yeah. to so much more. Well, you, there, I think there is definitely something to be said about the energies that, that are embedded inside of stuff and inside of spaces. Like I definitely yeah. remember as a little kid, being way more, like, almost painfully in tune to certain things. Right. And, right. like, I definitely can feel energy through objects. And and mm -hmm. I remember 
I remember being able to come home. Like, I'd walk home from school. I could basically put my hand on the door and know if it was mm-hmm. going to be a good thing on the other side or if I needed to be on guard. Right. You could right. tell. Do you want to like, walk I around the block it. one more time? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, do I need to give this a second or is now the time? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I think that's part of it. If you also, if you, I think kids are just naturally more in tune to all of that, but also think if you have some sort of trauma in your, yeah, in your life, you're, you learn how to feel your way through, uh, complicated situations and, right. And, and it's self-preservation. And it can be hard because it's hard to turn that off. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't respond well to chaotic environments, which is weird because I did find myself where part of my job was to stand with people in that chaos. And a lot of times it did remind me of being the last house mm-hmm. that mom lived in that I remember. So just for background, so pe- for people who don't know, like my dad, our dad was a maintenance guy for like a high rise apartment complex and mm-hmm. he was a pack rat too. But then he had this just never-ending spigot of things that people would get rid of. and That wealthy people believe, would get rid of, too. Exactly. Like, oh, we got rid of this whole TV because it's too dark, and they didn't know the panel flipped down, and you could just adjust all of the colors and brightness and all that. So that's how we mm-hmm. got a free TV one. And then mm-hmm. that's how we got that plant that looked like a huge pot plant that my that our yeah. dad thought was going to get him pulled over, but it was just a big plastic plant. <laughs> Right, and so, that's where I got you know, five pairs of Italian shoes, and, and yeah, we always had anything that was remotely high end to him. Something that was out of his reach was a treasure beyond any quantifiable reason. So he had to have it. It like he had yeah. to, and yeah. it got really, really bad. It did because the thing is, mom was basically like a hermit. Like she wasn't leaving mm-hmm. and collecting stuff. But because mm-hmm. we stopped moving, like, I didn't realize that when we were kids, we were moving. I mean, I realized we were moving, but I didn't realize what that did with the possessions that you own, mm-hmm. other than me knowing if I love it, it has to fit in this one suitcase. It can't yeah. go beyond that. And and I right. have to be ready to move at any time or I'll lose my treasured things. And my treasured things were, like, comics I had drawn and poems I had written and, like, mm-hmm. this little porcelain doll that I still have, you know. Yeah. It had to fit in this little case all the time. And so I got really kind of protective of that. Like, those things meant something to me, but I knew they had to remain compact and accessible. Right. And then we would just basically lose everything over and over and over again. Like, it just happened constantly. And then when our parents got back together and they moved into that apartment, after they lived in a three-bedroom house, they had to move into a two-bedroom apartment. And it's that they didn't handle that transition very well. They had no, they didn't edit so they much everything. Shit. Yeah. Oh my god. And the how? I mean, it was literally like it was like walking through a maze of boxes. That some of them went up mm-hmm. over my head, and like I, it was so claustrophobic to me. Mhm. And that was the last. Like that's the last environment that I remember ever seeing them in, because that I never right. talked to them again. <laughs> so right. For for other reasons, but but just right being, and then the basement at the house, the old house that they moved out of, that basement was not only actually thoroughly haunted, like for real, but mm-hmm. just jam packed with everybody's stuff and like all of the residue of whatever rich person worked at the or lived in the building, dad managed and or janitored or whatever he was doing, 
they would throw stuff away and it came with all of their psychic residue and then it was just jammed into our tiny house and it was it was so I remember feeling like I want to fix this I don't know how to fix this and I think that's probably what compelled me to help other people mm-hmm. and then I realized like oh I can help people and I don't have to stand in the middle of their stuff because me like for them it's transformative and they they're comfortable here they know what makes this pile they know what it is I have yeah. no idea, and I kept finding myself over and over, like, you know, there's evidence of rodents, there's dust, there's, you know, the sadness of having to manage this, the all the people who live in the house and their feelings about the stuff, and, I mean, it, I was just in that environment over and over again, and I thought, you know, I want to help people with this, but I can't be in it for a living anymore. Right it's too much for me. Like, why do I keep putting myself that weird dream I had when I was little? I'm like, here I am open. I'm in an endless basement opening one box after another. And sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not. <laughs> right. You know, right. And sometimes we just, it, it, it seems like a great idea because it's so familiar. And then it takes you a minute to catch up and go, Oh wait, no, the, I, some parts of this are a good idea, but the super familiar part is probably just re-traumatizing myself it's like when you yeah. meet a boy, when you, you know, after you come out of a real weird childhood and the first boy you meet, you're like, something about this boy. It's like a soulmate. And you're, you know, it actually turns out you're marrying your mother, you know. It's just super familiar because it's <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that yeah. was too personal. I don't know. <laughs> Is that not everybody's experience? <laughs> wow. That's great. Uh, yeah, you know, well, as you do. That's, you know, it's, it's normal. Right. You know how you do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it is really interesting, like, what you make of what you're handed. And mm-hmm. it's funny to me that I'm, I'm still, I'm still helping people untangle their mess. I genuinely like it, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, oh, it's so satisfying. It really is. And Well, you have a knowledge. Hard. You have this wisdom from growing oh. up in that and climbing out that yeah. is just different. You have a different a different skill set. And you were always like that. See, when I was a kid, I was very malleable, and I would kind of just go with the flow. So if it was total chaos, that's what my room was. And unfortunately for you, that was what half your room was. Yeah. <laughs> you shared a room most of the time, but you were always fighting against that. And, like, trying to make as much order in your space as possible because it was chaos out there and you were going to be damned if it was going to be chaos in, in our room, you know. So, yeah. obviously, then you were paired with me, which was just perfect. Um, but, uh, you know, that for me was not – that was a skill I had to learn. And it took me a really long time to even honor that, like, okay, if it makes you feel better, you should do it. Like, that was a completely yeah. counter – intuitive thing for me because I was taught like if it's good for you but not for everyone else it's the last of the options you're not allowed to pursue what makes you feel better so you know I just kind of did whatever was the least I just kind of ran in indecision you know and you were more like no I have to I have to build my own thing I have to because yeah you just you were always a little bit stronger there you were all and it's funny because you say it's hard to shut that off I don't think you ever should I and mean, that was really you were very wise you were always very attuned 
and the energy that you felt was very real and it saved you from a lot of things going way worse than they could have. And, you know, you use that yeah. now to help other people who were not trained in the shittiest way possible to see that clearly. So, you know, that's your gift and that's cool. Thank you for listening to Baggage, the story of our stuff. If you'd like to reach me, Sarah Fulmer, to tell me the story of your stuff, you can leave me a message at 614-304-1480 or email baggagepodcast at gmail.com or reach me at my website, sarahf614.com or help me keep the lights on at Patreon as sarahf614, that's Sarah with an H. Music provided by purpleplanet.com. Let's talk about your stuff.